This is a crowd podcast. I'm Sam Warburton and this is Captains, the leadership podcast where I swap stories and compare notes about what it's really like to wear the armband at sports elite level. This week, my guest is Watford legend and Birmingham City captain, Troy Deeney. My captain style has changed dramatically because I think the world has changed dramatically. And the best part about it, the challenge of figuring it out, where it was from where I was brought up was two things. You either sold drugs and did crime, or you worked at the local Land Rover. They were the two jobs. When I was nine, my dad beat up me and my mum pretty bad. The physical of that wasn't the problem. It was the, the embarrassment of having a social worker sit with me at school. The embarrassment of when I first saw my dad the next time, I pissed myself. And at that point, I was like, right, I'd never want that to happen again. Thanks again for listening to Captains. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with Troy Deeney. As I've said a few times before, I am a massive football fan and it's always really interesting talking to athletes who are still active like Troy. I remember his time in the Premier League with Watford where he led them for a number of seasons, banging in some important goals and reaching the FA Cup final along the way too. But as we go into, his story is one of resilience and dedication. There are plenty of times where it would have been easy for Troy to give up or go down a very different path. But the fact he spent so much of his career at the highest level is a credit to his desire and his mindset. He reflects on some pretty harrowing moments in his life that shaped his future, such as his tough childhood and spending time in jail and the death of his father, all of which he says shaped the man and captain he is today. Owning your behaviour and not shying away from the negative or challenging moments are traits we can all learn from. This is a really honest, powerful chat. I loved hearing his leadership journey and I hope you do too. Enjoy the episode with Troy Deeney. So Troy, thanks for coming on, mate. And we, we've had a few football guests and I've always loved the footballers because I'm a yeah. failed footballer myself. That was my first sport. Um, but I, I like too much contact, so I ended up playing rugby. But I would I always say I would have loved to have been a, a pro football player in another life. Yeah. Wasn't good enough, obviously. But how would you describe the roles and responsibilities of a football captain from, from your perspective? Oh, um, completely different to one of, of rugby, I would say. And funny enough, all my uncles play rugby. So oh, nice. I, in football, I think it's it's a new it's a new place. It's a it's a weird place, Sammy, for being totally honest with you, because you have a kid that's maybe seventeen years old earning a million pound a year. He doesn't have to do the boots anymore. They don't have to do anything of that. No, there's no real apprenticeship anymore. If you are a a kid who's very good, you're just kind of fast tracked. And it, my job, I feel, is more about teaching them how to be a pro. And as you know, it's very difficult to be a pro. Someone who does it for one to two, three years, that they come and go. The people who have the 15, yeah. 16, 17 year careers, that they're the professionals. You've been doing it, whatever it is you've been doing, you've been doing it at an elite level for a very long time. So teaching them that while trying to shape them life, life-wise. I've had a lot of bad experiences in my life, which have all come to uh, to the forefront as being a captain in terms of how I can talk to people through their their life skills. You get what I mean. So uh, in football, most of the the kids that come through are from a uh, low income ho- housing. So when they get a lot of money in the family structure, they go from being, you know, like the pet the kid to the head of the whole family, where no one tells them no, and it's like we're all on this journey instead of it actually being like the parents still going right. Yes, you have all this money, but. Don't be a dickhead, don't be a knob, still treat people with respect. And a lot of the time people get mixed up in that because the money's so frequent and the, and the fame becomes so much, like you can't go to the shops. You know, I try and help in that regard, try and keep them on the, their feet on the ground. I do want to dig into all that because you've got an amazing story as well. And uh, just saying bits there, I, I'd love to pick your brains that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Just before we do, you're doing your own pod as well. I was going to quiz yeah. you on this because <laughs> it's actually really nice and refreshing to see someone like yourself who's playing still come out and do a podcast. You know, what was the motivation behind coming out to do that? Yeah. It's a real breath of fresh air. Honestly, Sam, I love people. I do, I love people. I would have sound like freaking Hannibal Lecter here, but <laughs> I do, I really enjoy sitting and watching people watching is something i enjoy i make up yeah. uh like the little games of sims when the missus is shopping and i'm sat outside with me me costa and people watching go but well, why are you here on a wednesday what do you do why aren't you at work 
start making up these little scenarios in my head. Um, but honestly, mate, I, I just enjoy figuring people out. You've got a story, I've got a story, but to, to general public, especially with people who are what we consider famous or, or in the limelight, you're not allowed to be human because you're Sam. You're the, you're the man for, for Wales. You're the, you're, you're the whole nation is looking at you. But you have difficulties. You have stresses. You have family issues going on. So who's that? So that was really what it is. And wherever I go, you know, they used to say, never meet your heroes. I actually want to meet all my heroes yeah. because I want to know if, are you actually a knob? Yeah. Are you actually a nice person? Because some people aren't. Are they, you know, it in your sport, their media perception is that they're really nice happy-go-lucky person, but you meet them or have a beer with them and you're like, yeah, I don't want to be around you. Yeah. You're depressing as fuck or it's all fake just because they're living this life what they think everybody else wants to. So the inspiration behind it was just getting to know people. I'm lucky I've got a decent contact list. So uh, a few of the lads jumped on. I've had like Andy Joshua, Sorrell John, uh, Louis Theroux, Ian Wright, and Mo Gilligan. They were the first five. And I just sat for an hour. I'll be honest, Sam, I didn't have any questions. I didn't know what I was doing. I just love talking, love finding out who people who people are and if I can take some life skills from them. How many how many gigs do we see on TV? On, uh, not on TV, on social media now, mate. Mm. It's full of shit everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. And it's like, come on, let's give some information, some real life information and some skills. And that's what we try and do. We try and have a, an honest conversation with some little nuggets in there that hopefully people can, you know, move forward in life with. I love that. So on your, on your podcast, I want to go into your personality because you, yeah. you've got, like I said, you've got a great story. You describe yourself as a loud mouth and hard man, which yeah. I, I love it. And I, I, I sort of grew up, well, we're same age. So, you know, we would have grown up watching English football when yeah. there was your centre mids who's kind of, you don't really see anymore. Your kind of Paul Ince's, Batty's, those yeah, kind of yeah, guys. Yeah. You know, even Roy Keane's who'd like flying to people. Yeah. You, you seem to be one of those people who still, I'd, I'd love <laughs> to have on my team, like you still want to ruffle a few feathers and that. Yeah. Is that is that an accurate description of yourself, do you think? Half of me. The the Troy Deeney footballer, me, yes, absolutely. I have to, I have to be that. Do you know why I have to be that self? Because I'm not as good as everybody else and I can own that. I know I'm not technically to the level of these players, but I know I can outwork them. I know I'm very good in my wheelhouse of what I do and what I bring to it. I, I love that camaraderie of like, we're a team and it's not probably not the way people look at it anymore, but when we play on a Saturday, we go to war, me versus that team. And I want to look back in my team and go, they trust me. Perfect example, this year I've got five yellow cards. Five of those yellow cards have all been from backing up my teammates, you know, when they all come together. Yeah, yeah. And we've got young lads, so, you know, I've run in, pushed somebody over. Do you get what I mean? Like, no, this is my boy. You don't do that to my boys. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? That That's the only reason. But Troy, the, the dad, soft as shit, mate. Yeah, <laughs> soft as shit. <laughs> yeah. you, got, you got, is it three or four children? Four, four, four kids, yeah. yeah. So I've tried to be all this macho and I try and go... You're gonna do this, and they always told me, "Shut up, Dad." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I don't even. I'm not even convincing myself when I'm saying it." So, so when when I say hard man, I think that image comes from the fact of I've had a lot of like we'll probably get into a lot of um, trials and tribulations along the way. But do you know what I consider the hard man side of it, Sam? Never running from it. Mm. I've never once tried to make an excuse for any of my behaviour in the past. Even even now, I still don't try and claim to be perfect. I never try and preach to anyone. The hardest part, I think, is owning who you actually are. So that's probably where the hard man, I would say, comes from. I'm, I'm just a, a normal bloke that happens to be half decent at football. And to be honest with you, I got a break and I, and I ran with it. And I'm still running with it. What would be some of those maybe mistakes that looking back on now? Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of think things happen for a reason, you know. So I oh. think you probably look back at them and think, oh, I'm. I'm actually glad I went through that. Which are the ones that stand out to you that you think shape you to the man you are today? We could start. So do you know what? Uh, I'll give I'll give you all if you don't mind. So mm. when I was nine, nine years old, my my dad, he's, mm. he's passed away now, and and I've spoken about it before. But he, we 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 had a domestic abuse in the house. He beat up me and my mum pretty bad. So that was one that shaped me. But we, but it wasn't the wasn't the physical abuse. And I've only just just started getting my teeth done. So I broke my jaw, knocked my teeth around and all of that nonsense. 
What, when you were nine? Yeah, when I was nine. Yeah. So that, but that wasn't, the physical of that wasn't the problem. It was the, the embarrassment of having a social worker sit with me at school. Mm. The embarrassment of when I first saw my dad the next time, I pissed myself. In fear. Like I genuinely, yeah, fear, I pissed myself. Mm. I've got no problem saying it. Oh, fuck, he's there. And I just wet myself. Again, I'm nine years old at the time. I don't, don't know what it is to be a man at this point. I should be a kid. But I've been, I've been thrust into a life that was not meant for me. But okay, this has happened. And I'm from a, an Irish and, and a Jamaican background. You don't talk about things. Mm. Well, especially then. We probably do a little bit more now. And uh, I didn't see my mom cry once. I, was, I definitely, I know now she spent many a night once we'd gone to bed having a cry to herself. And like no one ever asked, are you all right? Or how is he? Or it just, that happened. My dad went away for six months to jail, came back. And mate, the first day he came back, this, this is the God's honest truth. And if I'm lying, I'll die right now. We had a petrol station where I was from and there's a bus stop right next to it. My mum's put petrol in. Dad's got off the bus with his, like his, all his stuff from jail. And my mum's got want a lift. And he was like, what the fuck? Did, did this not happen then? Yeah. He gets in the car. Yeah. We dropped him back to my nan's. He said hello to us. He got out of the car. My mum was, what's up with you? And I pissed myself and I was embarrassed. Yeah. And it was like, that was, that was nine. And, and at that point, right, I'd never want that to happen again. That fear and that shame. And so then, you know, you fast forward. And then, but by the way, can I just say, a lot of people are going to go, oh, your dad was a bad guy and all that. My dad's still my hero. He's dead now. He's been dead 10 years. But was my hero. He's, he foundationally shaped who I am. He's the first man to put a football in, in my hands and taught me and took me around. It's all of these good, all the great things. But this happened, so we can't not talk about it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. I was, I was going to say, would you, would you have been a footballer professionally if it wasn't for those early influences, do you think? Not at all. Not at all. My younger brother, so I'm 34, my brother's 34. 30, me and my brother's 30, and my he he's so much better than me, so at everything. And uh he was at Aston Villa from the age of six to twenty. And then when dad died, he just just went off the rails and, and left it alone. Still very good, still very talented. But what I used to do, which I never realized now until this day, was I used to go and watch training all the time and mirror what they were doing, just so that when we went back home and we could play outside up against the garages, I could teach him. No, because at, at Villa, you had to do this, remember? So all of our eggs and all our was in his basket. He was going to be the one that was a footballer. We was all going to go on this journey with him. And that that was kind of how I used to see it. So I, as I say, like, we'll go back to being nine. I never really had a childhood from that moment onwards because my dad was gone. He was out of our lives in terms of... He still turned up, but he wasn't in the house. So my mum was working. I had to then pick up my brother and my sister from school from the age of nine, ten, and then... At 11, I started working. So I worked as a glass collector in the local pub. So I'd do school, go play my football, go be a glass collector. Might earn 20 quid, 30 quid, whatever the night was. Get myself over 11, school, do it all again every day. And like I say, long, long story short, fast forward a little bit. I'm, I'm 21 now. I've just moved from, from Warsaw where I was paying, I was at 800 pound a week. And I went to Watford and they gave me five grand a week. Now. Socially, again, in my family, where every, most people were signing on at the time, went from there to whoop. Yeah. Now, Troy's the king, no one tells him anything. All my mates, uh, I say my mates, I've only got a couple left, but you know, all the crowd that I was with, Troy's a man, Troy's a man, Troy's a man. And I just turned into an arsehole. That's the only way to describe it. I turned into an arsehole. Uh, I find this fascinating to see because very few people actually are in this position that, that yeah. you've gone through. You can see it now. You mentioned at the top, you know, you can see it when young boys come in now and they don't know what to do with that money. Mm -hmm. What was the first... What did you do when you got that money? What was the first thing that you <laughs> thought? And did you... I was a twat, Did you blow mate. it? Did you oh, think yeah. I gotta, gotta get a mortgage? What did you do when you were given that situation? But even that... So no one owned a house in my family. No one had ever bought a property. It was all in council houses. We didn't... It was never achievable. Where it was from where I was brought up was two things. You either sold drugs and did crime or you worked at the local Land Rover. They were the two jobs. And again, I'm not saying my area was worse than anybody else's. It was just a council estate, mm -hmm. but it was my council estate. I, I love it. I still go back there. My brother still lives there. He won't leave. Or, or as much as I'm trying to get him to leave, he won't leave. He just loves it. And the people there are fantastic, wonderful people. 
So when I got my, so to answer your question, when I, when I got my first paycheck from Watford, I cleared 16,400, I'll never forget it. 16,400 pound was my first paycheck with a little sideline fee and all that, I paid taxes, 16 grand cleared. And I remember the day before I had eight pence in my account. Wow. Eight pence, because I was only, but at Warsaw, we were getting paid weekly. So okay. I had one week's wages to last me five weeks. And I remember waiting till midnight because we got paid and I ran to the hole in the wall, put it in, 16,000. And I phoned my mum. She's like, oh, what's happened? I was like, mum, we're rich. We're rich. We can all stop working. We ain't got to do it anymore. I've made it. And then before you know it, mate, you, you go and buy, I went to the forget. I, I used to bought everything I ever wanted. So I went to, and this is really, and this is how, Juvenile I was, I went to JD Sports, I bought every Adidas tracksuit, every night tracksuit, bought matching trainers to go with all of them. And then everyone at the time was wearing Gucci. So I went to Gucci and I bought myself some Gucci stuff. And then before I knew it, I was like, oh shit, I've only got three grand left. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, and, and, then, and then we went out, we went out a night out, we went out Friday, I played Saturday, we went out Saturday, went out Sunday, and I went out on the following Wednesday. And I looked and I went, shit, I got out of could again. All right. Yeah. Ran it all back in, and all I had to show for it was shitloads of traders and tracksuits. When you when you said you went to prison, yeah. I read a really interesting story you said in there. You said that your your dad had a lot of respect from some yeah. of the prisoners that were in there, which yeah. which helped you out. You mentioned drugs earlier. Was that what your dad was involved in? Yeah, yeah. So he used to. Joe, you know my dad was involved in anything, but do you know what he was, mate? It was all about respect. Very weirdly, the last name meant everything. So he could go out around Birmingham with absolutely no money in his pocket. But no, he'd never have to buy a drink in a pub and he'd never have to buy for food because everyone owed him a favour for whatever reason. And uh, random shit. And I'm laughing. It's really not funny. But do you know when you just think back to like, wow, my life was actually mental as a kid. But when I was at Warsaw, we went to play the game against Northampton. And my brother, I would have been 19, 18, 19. So Ellis would have been 15. Ellis was still at school. And I remember coming out of the game afterwards and my dad had this blue Merc. I was like, Fuck, he got that? Like, he doesn't have a licence, by the way, Sam. He doesn't have a licence. But he's, I'll drop you back. I was like, okay. And, and my brother, who's 15, was like, I drove down. What do you mean? You drove down from Birmingham to Northampton? Yeah, yeah, Dad, let me drive. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. Anyway, I'm driving back. We drop any stuff. And my dad goes, come to the pub with me. I just scored the winner. My, one of my earlier goals, like third or fourth goal ever. So like, come to the pub with me. Let's, let me buy you a beer. I want to show you off. I was like, I didn't want to, because when my dad went out after like eight, nine o'clock, there was always this atmosphere that any time something could just happen. I was like, oh, all right, dad, I'll have one. As we're driving, Sam, no joke, this is what I can hear. Dad, you, you, hear, you hear that? Nah, nah, nothing turns the radio up. I'm like, dad, you're winding me up here. Like, there's some banging back there, can you hear it? We pull up at the pub, he goes, right, I'm going to show you something. Just shut your fucking mouth. That's what he said to me. And I went, okay. Opens the boot, and the fellow whose car it was was in the boot. Oh my God. I didn't expect that. I went, what? He's like, yeah, he owes us somebody, but, you know, just teaching him a lesson. Pulls, his, pulls the thing off his mouth, gives him a drink, says, we're back in an hour, puts it back on, shuts the boot, and goes in. But, mate, like wow. nothing could happen. Like he just dropped a, a 10 pence on the floor. Mad. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm trying to forge my career at this point. And I'm going, right, am I an accessory here? What's happening? Dad, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go, you know. No, you're not. You're not fucking drink with your dad. And I, I had a drink with him. I literally necked my drink as quick as I could. Dad, I've, got to, I've really got to go. All right, so I'll see you later. And I, I left. And it was just like, that was, that was my dad in a nutshell. So when I went to jail, sorry to answer your question, when I went to jail and they took me to Whitstead Green Jail and, and you, can, you can look it up. It's, uh, it's the main jail in Birmingham. Uh, I walk in and the prison guard goes, Deanie. I know that name, I know that name. And I'm just standing there, Berkey's son. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. But I, just to add to that, Sam, to give a bit of context, my dad died three weeks before that and uh, of cancer. And I buried him on the Friday, I went to jail on the Monday. So I was three days removed from my, my hero dying. So and I, he said, Berkey, like, and I thought, oh, he knows him, like, he's going to say something nice. And he went, you'll be fucking trouble then. We'll keep an eye on you. And I was like, Oh shit, okay. <laughs> kind of walk through the next yeah. bit, get whatever, get my, get my gear and then go to the gym because they, they knew who I was. They're like, look, we're going to get you in the gym, we're going to get you fixed. I went to jail in, in, 
in May. So you're playing at this point, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm a, you're yeah, trying to maintain yeah, a, I was Watford's to top player. goal scorer that yeah. year when I got yeah. when I got sentenced to jail in May. So just finished the season just finished. I got sentenced in May, and I'm just about to do a ten month sentence. And um, and I had friends like my some of my friends are you know still around to this day. They were they was inside for other things, so I was relatively cool going in there. Not you know what, I was a bit cocky if I'm being totally honest. I was a bit like I'll be all right. I know such and such. I'll be sad. Going to the gym, and I and I see two of the lads from from the pub, and they're called the twins. And I was like, ah, oh, how are we, boys? At this point now, shoulders are out. I'm I'm all right. They know me. I'll be sound. When I say Sam, they stuck it all over me. I crumbled. What the fuck are you doing here? Uh, what what do you mean? We're all right? No. Why are you in here? Went on this big speech about you, you know we're in here because we've chosen to be. We've chosen this lifestyle. From a young age. These are like 45-year-old men, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm 21 at this point. You, you, you're a footballer. You're doing what all of our kids should be doing. You're an example to the community. And they went to town on me, mate, for about 10 minutes. And at this point, it's like a little bit of a, an audience now, but some other people who knew me and who, who my dad was came over to see if I was all right. And then they've known the, the, these lads. And they were like, do you know what? You're right. So at one point, it was like five of them just going... You're a piece of shit. You're this, you're that. And if it weren't for your dad, we'd absolutely fill you in right now. And I'm like, wow. Go back to my pad. Gotta get in jail. All you've got is time, mate. You've got time and you think and you reflect. And I'm like, Do you know what? They're fucking right, you know. I have a right. And I went back to the gym the next day. I saw them. Because again, I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to go, you know, I was wrong. I can have a word. What do you fucking want? Just want to say, you're absolutely right. I'm sorry. I came in here with an ego, chip on my shoulder. And I'm letting my dad down, you're absolutely right. But I just want to say, I needed that. Shook their hands and I never had a problem for the next, I was in that jail for what, two months? And then I went, I moved up north to, to Warrington. But yeah, just that humbling experience of like, I thought I was the man. And I didn't have anyone around me to go, hold on young fella, this is the game, this is the ropes, this is what you should be doing. Money comes and goes, but people remain the same and... Uh, yeah, it was it was humbling, but you know, at times it was it was frightening. I thought first day in there, I'm gonna have to. The reason I'm in there is because I got into a fight, and I don't really like talking about the fight if you don't mind, because I do realise there's a there's a family, and and there's a, I don't even like using the word victim, but there's a victim on the end of it, and it just got really humbled. That it was it was terrifying. The first couple of days it was terrifying. That sounds like it could be one of those real pivotal moments in your life, and you just have that moment of realization do you mm -hmm. draw back on that experience now in your playing days daily in my life days though so mm. I've, you know, I've done all right for myself and, and i'm pretty sure you have as well from humble beginnings and you know how easy it is to get comfortable and complacent and i just drove back into that i knew i was talking to you so it was like didn't know where it was going to go by the way but you know you're coming in and you're like fucking hell just think where it all started i, I started in a in a two-bed masonette with five of us do you get what I mean? It's like you have to sometimes just draw back on these experiences and be like, not not to glorify it or anything, but things can be taken away from you just, just like that. You're listening to Captains with me, Sam Warburton, and my guest, Troy Deeney. You sound like the way you're talking, like I love your mindset and you are an obvious, clear leader. Were you always uh, had that mindset and that leadership mentality from a young age? Were you a young captain or is it something you developed no, as you've got older? Definitely learn behaviours. Definitely learn behaviours. I I was, uh, I was actually like to take the piss out of myself. I'm quite, I love making people laugh. I think it goes back to my earlier earlier life when we spoke about it earlier with it when I was like nine. Because I got, shamed all i ever wanted to do at school was make people laugh i didn't want anyone to be sad around me so i left school with nothing so i have no no education of i left in year 10 i got kicked out not for being a bad kid just for being a prat all the time basically i was never violent or anything you're just juvenile um and even as a footballer i was as well and 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 the the armband never got passed to me there was no we we like what you're doing you're going to be the you're going to be the captain it was given to me by default. Our goalkeeper, uh, Manuel Almunia, used to play for Spain and Arsenal. Wonderful character, lovely, lovely man. He got sick, he had a heart condition. 
So he had to retire just suddenly. And then first game of the season, Troy, Troy scored loads of goals last year. Just give me the arm. But we didn't know if he was coming back or not, but he was technically still captain. And it just went, just seemed, steamrolled, uh, snowballed, sorry. And I was like captain for a game. Then I was, now it's like 25 games and they've gone, we might as well just make you captain then. And it was like a tweet, I think. No one actually told me. There was like, new club captain, Troy. <laughs> and it's like, all right, decent. But the reason it was given to me is because I worked hard and I was scoring loads of goals. So in my initial mindset was, if I just perform, that'll be enough because I can drag us over the line. I'll just do what I need to do. I was 24. I scored 25 goals and about 11 assists. But my team finished 14th. It was nothing. It was the, all the goals were what I like to call empty calories. It was a waste of time. Yeah. Didn't, we won some games. We lost a lot more. And while Troy personally did well, I was in team of the year. I came second in the uh, the voting for play, the championship player of the year. It was like, well, what the fuck does that mean then? Yeah. I finished 14th. No one's asking, oh, we need to sign that kid. Oh, he's a leader. He's winning. No one was even talking about my team. So I made a conscious effort that time to uh, actually go and make it like, what, how do I get everybody out? Because I know I'm, I'm 25 or so. I know I'm good. Mm. But how do I get everybody else to not only be good, but still help me? And how can I help them? What's that behaviour like when you're in a relegation battle? You know, people see the success and they like to focus on you when you're having yeah. success. But when you're in a relegation battle, do, do, does your behaviour change as a captain? Is it a much more difficult position to be or is that something that you enjoy, that adversity? Yeah, I would probably say I enjoyed the relegation battles more than the, the, the successful years. Really? The successful years, we had six or seven leaders within the group. So the year we ended up getting to the FA Cup final, there was Ben Foster who's obviously the king of podcasts at this moment in time. Ben Foster, yeah. Eunice Cabal, Etienne Kapu, Craig Kafka, mm. Tom Cleverley, myself. Yeah, good boys. All yeah. good lads. But again, it all started in pre-season and pre-season is fundamental. So we had this chat in the summer and it was like, we'd stayed up the year before, but it was, again, a nothing season. But when we was in the relegation battle, do you know what I love seeing? And it's going to sound really sadistic. I love seeing people crumble. You know that when it's in good times and everyone's shoulders out and woo, yeah. look how good I am. And we're in the tough trenches and you start crumbling and I can see you going and I can see now you've gone from being really loud to medium to now you don't even talk. Now you just come get your stuff, go home. Oh, come here. But it was good. Where's all them social media posts gone? Where's the tweets now? Where are you thanking the fans now? That, I, I really love that because it's, that shows to me, again, what we spoke about at the top of the programme. The two three-year careers or the five-year careers can never, ever match the 17, 18, 19. That's why someone like James Milner, Ryan Giggs, Jordan Henderson, these guys are the, the epitome to me. You've played at an elite level for 15, 20, 25 years. Oh, by the way, these teams that can buy new players whenever they want, but somehow you still get game time. You still get your, your way in. That, that's a professional to me. And there's many others, by the way, but that's just examples. So it makes your move to Birmingham quite unique. You're obviously a Birmingham fan. Mm -hmm. You grew up there and you, your family is deep-rooted mm -hmm. in, in Birmingham. You've gone to Watford, been a Watford legend mm -hmm. for, for a decade. What's that pressure like coming back home then, being a fan and having mm -hmm. the captain's armband on? How much responsibility do you feel now coming back to Birmingham after everything you've experienced? Um, it's a great question. I don't feel pressure, to be totally honest with you, because it's a club that's been failing for a long time, but it's still a club that's got deep heritage, deep root, rooted in hard work and the working man's club. So fundamentally, that is me, a hardworking individual. What I've had to implement, and probably I'll throw this question back to you. Have you ever, in your play career, in your later days, did you go, did you ever have to drop to a standard that wasn't what you're used to in terms of the other people, not necessarily you, but like the professionalism of what they're used to. So, yeah, I was a one-club man, so I played at Cardiff my whole career. Mm -hmm. Quite a big club historically, but a massive underachiever. So, yeah, I would go back there. You said it at the top as well, like, about being a good yeah. pro. I was, like, super pro. Yeah. Like, I, I always made sure no one was a better pro than me. But I go back there and there were standards which I didn't mm -hmm. like, you know, and I used to find that quite hard to deal with. Is that what you're referring to at Birmingham? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So 
the only way I can explain it to people is, and it sounds really arsehole but it's the only way to do it. I've been in the Premier League for eight years, being captain. And the Premier League is a unbelievable bubble. The only way I could probably say is when you go to uh, with Wales, the standard, you don't have to ask for anything. Money isn't an issue. It's all about just being a top, top professional. So when I come, when I come to Birmingham, and again, the only way to describe it is, imagine always turning left on a plane and going to first class. Yeah. And then you <laughs> jump on this plane and someone goes, oh, there isn't a first class. We're on EasyJet. And you're like, oh, okay then, no problem. Still a plane. I'm still going to get to my destination. But is this is this what is this all it is? And that's that was how it was when I got to Birmingham. It still is to an extent, but my responsibility there has so changed in terms of, man, there was no fines when I got there. And as you know, it's not about the the, the monetary value of the fine. It's about these are the, these. It's about respect. If me and you have both got to be in a meeting. And the meeting starts at 10, but you're there at 5-2 and I roll in at one minute past. Mm. That meeting's delayed, but I'm also saying that my time is more important than yours. Yeah, yeah. And it just implementing those basic things. And, you know, along the way, I've had to financially put my own things in just to, to raise the standards a little bit because we don't have the money. That's, that's fine. But the, the foundations of, so be a really good professional. That's all you have to do. We're in a wonderful position. Can you guarantee you're going to win? Absolutely not. That's why it's called sport. But you can guarantee you, you're on time. You do things right. You eat right. You recover right. You go again. And it, it hasn't been that. And as you know, these things take time to change. But I would like to think, this is my coming to the end of my second year there, that everybody within the building, not necessarily outside, because they wouldn't see all this. It's not the glitz and glamour, is it, what we're, what we're talking about, should turn around and go, do you know what? Troy's took us from this level to this level. And there's still room to improve, by the way. You don't know what you don't know. So if you've never been to the Premier League, why would you be expected to understand and do that? You have to live it and breathe it and say, this is what a professional looks like. You mentioned fines. Mm -hmm. Fines is massive in rugby as well, like to, to keep boys on track. I imagine some people are probably listening, thinking, what, what do they mean, fines? Yeah. What, what fines did you have? I imagine they're pretty similar to what we had, but we used to have people to really enforce those. So what, what would you do for your fines? So again, as being captain, I think in rugby, you guys kind of have like a leadership group. Am I right? You have a captain, yeah. you have a leadership group. So again, I've, I've implemented that. Nice. We've got like a leadership group now where, well, that was last, started last year. But what I had when I was at Watford, which really shaped my uh, captain's style, is we had so many different nationalities. Now, I, I speak Brummie. I don't even speak proper English. So, <laughs> you know, when you've got French, you got French, Spanish, South American, you name it, they was all in at Watford. So what yeah, I realised that is we need, to, we need a group here. So I ended up having Etienne Capu, let's say, the French, he could speak to all the French guys. So now what we made it is three little groups. So we had an English group, a Spanish group. No, we had four, sorry, a Spanish group, Spanish-speaking group, a French-speaking group, and the Africa group. So what we did, we put one from each, and we had this meeting at the start of the season. Right, what are the rules? What do we expect from ourselves? Not what the manager says, not what the club want. What do we expect from ourselves? And then we all put these things down. It was about 15 things. Right, let's whittle that down to what it actually is. So, you know, we want to play great football. Uh, but that means we need to train really well then. So what does training really well look like? Yeah. And then, you know, we got it down to like five core principles and fundamentally it'll be probably the same as you. No lates. No one's time is more important than anybody else. Respect. So when you, when you took your kit off, you don't throw it on the floor and expect somebody else to pick it up. If you're asked to do something, you do it and you figure out the why afterwards. And fundamentally, work hard. Four, four key things that, again, to normal people, it's like, oh, but in the bubble of sport, as you know, people take half a sip of water, throw it on the floor, go off and do what they're doing and forget they had that water, just go pick up another one. Do you know what? You, you say that though, right? I, I think what you're saying, and this is what I've found out with speaking to ex-pros yeah. as well, but that's why I think professional sport breeds such good yeah. habits into you. So these fines seem like trivial things, but you leave and say like now I do broadcasting stuff. And I remember one of the broadcasts like, oh, we love rugby players. You're never late. You're always on yeah. time. You're always asking what the dress code is. And these are just things which are kind of just drilled mm -hmm. into you. So that, that's, I guess, what you're trying to lead now at Birmingham to raise those standards. Yeah. And, and also, like, the championship is so relentless as well. So the championship is like Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So you actually, you, you recover more than you train. 
when when it's in the full flow of things. So like this week, the lads have played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. And it's like, okay, then today's Thursday. Are you recovered? I'm still a bit sore. So why are you trying to leave now then? Get back in the gym. Yeah. Jump on the bike. Go do the massage. Go do that. Oh, but I just want to sleep. Yeah, we, we can sleep after. <laughs> do you get what? But like, it's, it's like one o'clock. And you, I'm like, what are you going home to do? I'm tired. But what are you going home to do? Mm. If you've got stuff on, like you say, filming, kid stuff, you know, I can't tell you what to do with your personal life. But if you're going home to sit and play Xbox, I suggest you stay here for another hour. And every time I have to say that, funnily enough, they ain't really got that much on. And then at three o'clock when they're leaving, I'm like, you're tired. I'm not actually. Because it's the mentality of, this is what we're used to. And, and I said it today, funny enough, when I left, one of the lads was like, don't you ever get bored of just telling them? And I said, yeah, I do. Because I tell these lads more than I tell my kids. But I understand they haven't seen it. So how can I expect them to just get it like that? Oh, Troy said it once, so it has to be that. No, no. This is a daily, I hate the word grind because I was listening to somebody the other day, Tim Grosvenor, you know, yeah. he says, when you grind away, you keep grinding at something, it just turns into dust. That's absolutely true, but it's a daily pursuit of what you want to do. Yeah. And when you get older, as we do, when you know it's coming to an end, you savour it more. You, I think your career goes backwards. When you start, it's so like, this is amazing. Woo, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Then you get to this <laughs> wonderful age of about... 24 to 30 where it only becomes about money I need to just get as much as I can I need to be as successful as I can and then you get to a wonderful place again from 30 onwards when you're like this shit might be over at any point so I want to enjoy this I want to have a good time yeah. and I'm going to keep doing it and for me like I'm injured at the moment I'm just coming back and I'm standing and watching outside like watching the boys train like, like a little kid I've trained every day of my life for 17 years but now I can't do it it's like oh Get me back out there. What you've just explained there is perfect example of what an experienced player brings to an environment, and that can mm -hmm. transcend way beyond just an influence on the pitch. Like you say, it's all the two hours on the pitch on a weekend. That mate, that's that's the fun. That's five percent of your job. Yeah. Ninety-five percent of it is like you say, what you're driving behind closed doors, and that's where experienced players are worth their weight mm -hmm. in gold. As we're sort of going down this path and. Talk about your leadership, which I'm, I'm loving, by the way. But I've been asking all of our guests about their captain's compass and what would be on it. Okay. And I asked them all, if you had a compass and you erase North, East, South, West, yes. what, what would be on your four pillars <laughs> for your compass? Uh, I think I kind of touched on it just, mm. to be fair. I think, I think the biggest one is respect. Yeah. Respect for yourself, respect for others. I think that's, uh, that would be North. That would be the main pillar. I think I'd then go, again, work ethic. Because everyone tries to say hard work, but sometimes smart work helps. Yeah. Understanding your body, you don't have to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then be shit on a Saturday. You know, yeah. like maybe take the Monday off, but you're still in the gym and you're still ticking over. Recovery. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we put that in. Recovery, nutrition would be the big, big one. Like professionalism, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Professionalism. Yeah. Oh, and then the final one. Desire. What are your your what's your why? Why are you doing this? What's your why? My why. My why's evolved. My why was why not at one point. Because I, I came. I used to be a builder. So I'm told I was. I did come through no academy. I was a qualified builder. I was working on the building site. I used to play football with my mates. Got picked up by Warsaw. Blah blah blah. I'm now where I am. So if you could imagine through all of the trials and the tribulations, and there's a lot more that we haven't spoken about, that I've still somehow got to this point. So I must be good at something. That That's how I fund fundamentally think about it. But I think, why not just keep going? I'm not, I'm not saying this because like you um, you strike me as someone who needs the help. <laughs> but you, know, you know what I'm on about now yeah. when I ask. I'm actually interested because a lot of sportsmen use them, and I've used one. Did you ever use, or any of the players, use a sports psychologist when you were playing? What was it like when you were coming through? Mate, I am the champion of therapy. Really? So I, start, I started therapy when I was 21, when I was in jail. I had to do it as part of my condition okay. to come out. And, and, I, and it was a very much just a, a normal in-jail therapist. How are you today? On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think? And I had to do two hours, and I fucking hated it. Hated it, because he was... I didn't feel like I was having a conversation. It was like reading off this sheet, and if they ticked all these boxes, I was in category A. 
I had I had ADHD, let's say, because all of these ticked boxes meant it was that more than it meant that you know what I just needed someone to talk to. So um, when I get to, get to twenty four, yeah, twenty four is the year we end up getting promoted. And Watford brought in, and he never likes to be mentioned, but I will mention him because he's officially uh, you know not with, associated with any club or university at the moment. But a guy called Doctor Tim O'Brien, Professor Mustard, mate, read me in. Three minutes of us talking, he, he had me down to a tea. Great pedigree, worked with loads of people. We worked with uh, Sir Clive Woodward as well uh, um, when Clive came into Southampton to football. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we worked under him. And so again, great pedigree of what he was doing. And he and he, they made it mandatory that the whole team had to spend 25 minutes with him on a Thursday. So I went, big captain, I'll go first. If and I'll suss, you know, like whatever, I'll suss him out, lads. If he's full of you, no worry, I'll tell you that. And I went in and I was in there for three hours, first session. Yeah, yeah. And we was just <laughs> chatting, and basically everyone else went home and they, and they come in the next day. Oh, Troy, was he full of shit? Oh, do you know what? He's, he's brilliant, you know, he's brilliant. You've got to go and talk. And anyway, that that all happened. But when I first walked in the room, sat down, and I was waiting for the the, the binder to come out and the notes. Yeah, yeah. And it went, uh, you from Birmingham? I said, yeah, yeah. So where are you from? You went from Birmingham? Instantly, he went, oh, okay. I saw your, you've got your last name, Dee That's Irish, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. We're from, we're from this part of Ireland. Funny enough, I'm from that part of Ireland. Now, I still don't know to this day if he was bullshitting me or not. Yeah. But he had the accent, so I thought it must be. And he went, um, can I ask you just one question? I said, yeah, go on, mate. How was you as a kid? That's all he said. How was you as a kid? He didn't give any context or anything. And I don't know why I just carried on speaking. And I was speaking, and I was speaking, and I was speaking. And then he said to me at the end, after like three hours, he went, I'm going to have to cut you short there. I'm really conscious of the time. You've got a game on Saturday. Can I ask you one favour? And I was like, yeah, yeah, go on. Can you take a big bottle of water home, like a 1.5 litre of water? You're going to go to the hotel now. Can you drink this water all the way to the hotel? It's a 15-minute drive. And then when you, get to the, when you get in your room, just just lie down for a minute, will you? Just give yourself 10 minutes to decompress. I slept for 15 hours. <laughs> That's wild. 15 hours I slept. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I phoned him the next day. And I was like, the fuck did you do to me? <laughs> I was like, mate, I, I was operating on four and five hours sleep at that time. Go yeah. to bed at like two, back up at six, seven, whatever, depending on the, t- on the day. I said, what did you do to me? And he's like, no, no, no. That's just all your stuff coming off. And, yeah. he, and then I, I persisted with him for three years after that. Just every Thursday, even when things were good, just yeah. going for a chat for an hour, just for that. You know, again, there's, there's men, someone I could speak to confidently and go, right, oof, there you go. You have, you take all this shit, and, and you know yourself. You, you, you might have the missus at home, and I don't know if your missus is similar to mine. If I say to my missus, I'm having a bit of a bad day today, she wants to fix it. How do I? How do we? And it's a great thing, but it, it, it's something for me. It's like, no, I don't want to fix it. I just want to tell you, I am feeling. Great today. Yeah. I don't know whether you've ever had that experience. Uh, when you say about the sports psychologist, I, I connected with with the guy I use straight away. And I don't know what it is. I don't know how they do it. But they just, no matter who you are, they almost, not like a best friend, but you feel like you just mm-hmm. get this trust straight away. Yeah. And once you have that trust and you finally realise, and it's, it's this whole kind of like mental health talking thing. Mm-hmm. Once you've got someone you can actually talk to and offload, and, mm-hmm. and they might not tell you the answer, but they help you, they ask you the questions to help you figure it out yeah. yourself, you know, and you've got so much energy as I think as sportsmen and, and people, you know, sportsmen and women, they just help you channel that. How, how has, has captaincy changed you, would you say? When you just like as a as a person, when you compare oh. where you were compared to now, and you think the experiences you've had as a captain, has it changed you for? Mm-hmm. Well, I presume the better, but do you feel that? Yeah, it has. But you know what I do? I tell remember you do this. I kind of dominate every situation now, and I kind of have to. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You're not at work now. Mm. Do you feel like you do that sometimes? It not not. not <laughs> you're ob- right. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Not on purpose. But, but, but you've been used to being thrown into that pressure cooker. Yeah. So, so so suddenly a trivial situation which might happen where you feel it's trivial, which is outside yeah. the football world for you or rugby world for me. You think, yeah, I can, I can handle this, you know, yeah. because you've got the perspective of football. Is is that what you mean? Yeah. So like I mean like it was snowing and, and the boiler went out here. Panic. Oh, but and I'm just like, all right, let me go and have a look. At it. I'll fix it. <laughs> yeah. And he's like. No, no, we need to find. I was like, just wait. You know, like, just, I kind of dominate. Or if I go to uh, a family function and, you know, 
people haven't seen you for a long time and it might be, let's say it's your 50th and I've just come over. You're not 50, by the way, so let me clear that. <laughs> well, family function, you're 50, we, we go over. And then it starts becoming the Troy show. You're going to say, you sound like an arsehole when you say this, but you, you end up having that aura around you because you're used to leading men at football or in rugby, in your case, you're, you're just like, you have to be the show, the show of attention. You have to be the one that's doing it always right. And yeah, it, it, in weird ways, I've kind of dominated loads of things. And, it, and it's made me go, oh shit, this is not about me. Yeah. I got to back away. So my, my captain style has, has, has changed dramatically because I think the world has changed dramatically. But my appetite for learning has got even bigger as I've got older. Yeah. I, 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 I read so much. I... I don't really listen to music anymore. It's all audio books and, and podcasts and just trying to figure out what it is. Like a, 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 a also fear, mate. Let's do, let's call it let's call it as it is. There's still a bit of fear now. Yeah. How long's football gonna be? What do I do after? Do I want to stay in sport or media after? Mm. Can I actually learn to chill out? Because I don't know about you, but days off for me aren't days off. Yeah, it, it all, it's all encompassing and, and, and the best part about it, man, and I'm sorry if I've dragged this on a little bit, is the challenge of figuring it out. Yes. The challenge of, Joe, I don't know this, though. For being totally honest, my missus asked me yesterday, what are we going to do when you finish? What, what, what are you going to do? I ain't got a fucking clue, Beth. I ain't got a clue. Yeah, but you, so I've done my badges. I'm doing my coaching badges. I've got the media. I still want to play. Yeah. I've got... I've done, frankly, I've done all right in, in property. Do you want to do... I was like, I don't know. We'll figure it out, though. Yeah, yeah. We'll figure it out. I've got so much stuff I haven't asked, but I'd love to. We're coming to a close now. No, it's been awesome. You've been fascinating. Sorry. Just the last Sorry. one I want to finish on is what advice would you give? I, I kind of going back to the very start when you said when you see youngsters, they get given the money. What advice would you give now to a young Troy Deeney? if you see him as an experienced player now, he's coming mm -hmm. through 16, 17, he's in Birmingham. What, what advice would you like to give him on what he's about to embark in his career? Patience. Patience. I think it's very, very easy as a, as a younger person to think. You can't think, see past your nose, can you? Everything's got to be instantaneous. Patience would be one. I've seen, I don't know if you saw it online, there's a, it's like a round table with Tom Hanks and all these other people. There's a wonderful quote that Tom Hanks says, and he says, this too shall pass. This high that you're feeling will pass. This low that you're feeling will pass. Yeah. And it, it's, it's wonderful the way he says it because that, that is it. What Everyone thinks you get on this sporting roller coaster of life and it just keeps going up, 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 and it keeps going fast when really there's loop-de-loop, there's swirls, there's, it's going to break down at some point. And just enjoy it. I think, I just think in life, I, I, I always go back to my dad. Uh, he, he died at the age of 47. So for a very long time, so I had this like, he was the fittest and biggest and strongest man I ever knew. So if he's died at 47, I'm definitely dead at 47. That's just how I was. So it's like, oh God, I've got to get all this in now because what happens? But like, when you really think about it, it's a fucking good life we got in it. And we moan about everything and I, I moan at the rest and we don't really stop and go, wow, just look back. And I'm pretty sure now, you know, now you've stopped, you've looked back at your career with a massive sense of pride. And if you don't, you, you bloody should, and I'm telling you, you should. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, where, where we started at this journey, if somebody would have said to you at 7, 16, 17, you are going to be at the end of your career here with this and this and this, whatever those whys are, whether it be financial, family, health, or just career achievements, you would have all of that there. Wow. And that's what I would say to a younger person now, like, just slow down. Just slow down. You don't need to rush into the houses, the cars, the, the women, the, the nights out. Just slow down. And that fundamentally is what I would probably say to, you, to your question. Mate, very wise words. Do you know what? You've actually, you've blown me away a bit. I had no idea you'd be like this. You know, like, I don't, I don't know I why. I think, that. I think some people have um, a, a certain, I don't know, idea of how a footballer is. Yeah. But, you know, I had no idea actually how almost like self-aware, how much perspective you had, Damn. how much motivation, how driven you are. And it's, yeah, it's pretty obvious, you know, why you've been captain for such a long time. So, Troy, honestly, I've, I've, you've been a fascinating guest. Absolutely loved it. No, it's been you. awesome. And um, Thank you, Joe. That, that, what you just said there, sorry to cut you, 
means a lot. It really does. So oh, thank you. Pleasure. Because when I think when you when you get um the respect, again, I, I operate on respect. When you get the respect from somebody like yourself who's done it all on the highest level continuously, that to me is worth more than money. And I don't want to make this a big love to end, but I just that that really means a lot. So Oh pleasure. Man. I, I, I needed that today. Thank you. No, I mean thanks, man. Honestly it's been awesome. Uh, thanks for your time and um, Thank you. It's been a pleasure to No have... problem. We'll have to we'll have to get you on my podcast, mate. Love to. We'd love to jump on. We'll have a chat. Cheers, Troy. Thank you. Thanks again to Troy for his time, his openness and his honesty. As I said at the start, there were some really powerful chapters in Troy's life, which could have easily resulted in different story being told. Dealing with those moments where you have a choice and knowing how to make the right decision is so hard. And it's really clear that in his role now as captain, Troy understands the value of giving good advice. He spoke a lot about working with and protecting the younger players, which is vital for those in leadership roles. Acknowledging flaws as well as the tough times, either professionally or personally, and turning them into positives is something we all battle with, and Troy is a great example of never giving in. If you've enjoyed this episode and you've not already, go back and listen to my chats with Wes Morgan and Martin O'Neill. We've got a few more footballers lined up for the future, so keep your eyes peeled for those. And, as we've mentioned, why not go and find Troy's own podcast, Deanie Talks. It is well worth a listen. Okay, if you want to get in touch, use the hashtag CaptainsPod and drop me a line on social media. Email me at captains at crowdnetwork.co.uk and make sure you follow our page on LinkedIn. Just search for Captains with Sam Warburton. To get bonus Captains content, subscribe to Crowd Sports Plus on Apple and you will get an episode of The Huddle every Thursday where I break down a key element of leadership. You'll also get these episodes ad-free. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Next week, my guest is English rugby legend Johnny Wilkinson. Can't wait for you to hear that one. Until then, thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.